This is the Skies Blue Podcast. It's quite blue at the moment, isn't it? Will it be blue at Wembley on Saturday? It's the Sky is Blue podcast with me, Phil Tooley, Paul Fisher, Daryl Carpenter and Stuart Basson. And, well, I think there's only one thing really on our mind at the moment. We might talk about what's been happening in the last few weeks to get Chesterfield into the third position to make sure of that semi-final home game against Bromley and the subsequent victory. But really, we're going to be concentrating, I think, mainly on Chesterfield against Knox County, two teams originally in the Football League back in the 19th century, but five years ago and four years ago respectively falling out of the EFL, which caused uh, Notts County to have to take their sign down, saying the world's oldest league club, and let's hope they can't put it back up next season. Are you ready for it, Daz? Uh, yeah, I am, to be honest. Um, I think we go in there with with a 50-50 chance, in all honesty. Um I think we've managed the end of the season really well. Uh, we all knew we were chasing third spot. And despite not having turned up for a couple of games late on, we uh, we got over the line reasonably comfortably in the end, didn't we? Uh, and I think we're a better squad now than we've been all season. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm quite chipper. Good, good, good. And, you know, that, how important, if that's the right word, was that 2-0 defeat against Bromley a couple of weeks before the semi-final because it's absolutely fresh in everybody's mind what you've got to do or not got to do against Bromley. Yeah, I think it was vital, really, in many ways because um, for the first 25 minutes down there, we, we played them off the park, created two or three really good chances, didn't take them. And then they were a bit flattered, weren't they, by scoring with a with that screamer was it Billy Bingham uh, but it, it yeah. took a, it took more than a little nick off someone on the way through um, and we lost his heads a bit after that unfortunately um, whilst they never really took control of the game and apart from the second goal which was one of our favourite breakaways down the right that we, we managed to um, uh, get rid of for most of the back half of the season um, and, and I sh- obviously Stuck out a leg trying to stop Cheek scoring and put it in himself. But, yeah, it was an under-par performance, but goals change games, as we know. And uh, that was the good thing, I thought, about Sunday, the fact that we didn't panic when we went one down, clearly against the runner play. And, Paul, as we've travelled up and down the country watching the Spirites this season, how many times have we said, you know, you've got to score when you're on top, you'll live to regret it? And, of course, that Bromley game was exactly one of those. Yeah, exactly. It was, and uh, they seemed to lose heart, didn't they? Once they that that goal went in from Bingham, and yeah, we have we've seen it loads of times, haven't we? Before as well this season, I think Eastley as well. They were 
sort of dominating the game as well and you know back in october and then slipped to one, one goal down at just before half time and then uh, you know gradually forced themselves back into that particular game but then lost it in the last minute so you know there's been areas around the course of the the, the season where chesterfield scoring first is good um and and going a goal behind after dominating you know um you often worry about the the fragile nature and i wonder whether that's what paul cook means with his trust element about the, about the the players and, and whatnot he just says well look you know we've been through this before try and try and replicate that all is not lost if you go a goal down the confidence levels are, are marginal you know so i hope that's not the case on saturday of course because Notts county are going to try and pass us off the park um but you know equally chesterfield are really good at soaking up a lot of pressure and putting them on the counter-attack so but you know that's that's way down the line so far well as Daz said about the weaknesses of the defense that were shown at bromley they were, they were shown at home to bromley of course in the uh, semi-final both concessions the second one a, a knockdown for an emergency center forward sent up uh show me to to knock it down you know the one of the biggest guys on the on the park the other one a bit of a to me to you to me to whoops uh wasn't it and you know they've been the the problems that the sparites ball have had all all season that that just turning off a little bit at vital times is yes there is there's an there's a mistake in there somewhere isn't there with the side and yeah again it's it goes back to the Paul Cook trust thing with the with the players I mean that that first goal was a horrendous mistake wasn't it between Palmer and Fitzsimons no calling at all about who's going to deal with that situation you know it should have been Palmer he should have been there he was right there you know to clear that ball knock it out for a corner Fitzsimons then just didn't do anything did he and he allowed the ball to hit him and then Marriott was there just to tap in, you know, and we have seen elements of, of you know, to me, to you early on in the in the season, haven't we, where they've, they've got themselves into a little bit of bother. It's not just Ross Fitzsimons. I'm not just digging him out there. Lucas Coverland's been the same against Woking. There was elements of absolute farce, really, at times, uh, really, in, in that particular game. So they have got that sort of fragile nature in them. But, you know, Let's hope that that's out of the way now, and they put in a, a you know a sterling effort on on Saturday. But having said that, I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't say that Notts County defence is unblemished either. They've uh, they've had errors in them, certainly against us as well earlier on in the season. Yeah, and of course, one of the goals he conceded against Boreham Wood was just a, a nick off Baldwin at the back who who never scored yeah. professionally before and went and got two <laughs> yeah. in that match rather rather bizarrely. But but Stuart, we were talking about Fitzsimons there and the error for that that key goal that Marriott just rolled in. But his uh, confidence and coming to catch corners and free kicks for the rest of that match was probably as good as we've seen from him and from any other goalkeeper for a long time on that uh, on that day. Yes, I absolutely agree. Uh, they had some taller players in their lineup than we had in ours, didn't they? Um, and they all came up for set pieces and corners and long throws and things like that. Um, and yet Fitzsimons, in all of those cases, every time he was tested, came out with flying colours, caught everything. 
uh, it, it was yeah, it was slightly strange to watch from, from yeah, you know, when you consider the long history of town keepers who who have been rather less enthusiastic at coming out and catching things from time to time. It's uh, it was good to watch, and it bodes well for for Saturday certainly. And of course, you you mentioned about the the size of the several of the Bromley players, not all of them. They're not a giant mm-hmm. side, but they've got some giants oh. in the the, mm-hmm. the side. He had to run through a lot of bodies on a lot of those occasions and and he did it with such confidence it was almost like well where's that come from yeah yeah well it comes from having a settled place doesn't it and which you know which you have to earn and you have to maintain form to keep it obviously um but but he he deserves to have that confidence the way he's been playing for 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 all season i think you know um and and that you know you've got to put yourself in in a position of risk, haven't you? If you want to run through a knot of physical opponents in order to sort of leap off the ground and catch the ball. Um, and he's not shy at doing that, which is good. You know, he's, he's, a, he's a decent keeper now at this level, certainly. And, and finally, just on that sort of keeper thing, Coverland was on the bench on Sunday of course do you expect to see him there is it the right decision for Saturday because of course if the game goes into extra time like he did against Bromley you can bring on one additional sub in the uh, final 30 minutes that's an interesting one isn't it I absolutely endorse the decision to put him there in the semi-final you know when there is so much at stake and of course there's more at stake in the final but is it different you know do you do you do you I mean having seen uh, both Cole Clough and Dobra um, was it Dobra? Was it somebody else hobbling about, you know, um, and having to be taken off largely with exhaustion as much as anything else before the end of the game? Um, if you think there might be a possibility of extra time, do you gamble on the goalkeeper and put an extra outfield player on the bench, you know, so that you've got more options if a substantial part of your midfield has to go off for one reason or another. It, it, it's a decision I wouldn't like to make, and I don't envy Paul Cook having to make it at all. Well, Daz, you've been watching Chesterfield for a long time. Can, can you recall a game where all of the out players were as spent as they were on the game against, uh, you know, after the game against Bromley? It was dropping like flies, and you know, from Bromley's point of view, it, it wasn't like a normal Bromley point of view. They're dropping like flies because they're in, flies like they're in the lead. I can't recall a match where the outfield players have have been as spent as they were in that game. It was great to see. No, and I, I think it was a combination of things, wasn't it? The game seemed to last three days with, with the various interruptions that we had uh, in each half with drones and people fainting, I, I believe, in one thing and another. Of course, the kickoff was delayed. It was a hot afternoon. I can I can attest to you, mm. jammy buggers in the west and in the east, and it was plenty <laughs> boiling. And um, for a man whose hair is on the wrong side of thinning, um, it, it was a good job of taking a hat. Um, so yeah, it, it was a warm day, and it's like anything else in those particular games, and it'll be the same on Saturday. I think there's so much nervous uh, tension. Um, anticipation you know people trying to play right at the peak of the game that that you do tire probably more than you would under normal circumstances but there's no doubt the, the lads put in a hell of a shift and uh i mean how colclough was even crawling about up front for the last 10 minutes i've no idea oh we haven't done him any damage by by making him uh, sort of hobble about on one leg 
but uh, uh, hopefully they'll have a good week's recovery because I can't see him doing an awful lot other than patterns and shapes to to play against the opponent this week. I think it'll all, all of it be about recovery. Yeah, well, Danny Webb said immediately after the match that you know the, the first two days are about recovery, just uh, massages on. It was 11:30 report the the following morning, Monday morning, and uh, just really light stuff Monday, Tuesday. Apart from the ones who didn't play, who who do some more vigorous sort of stuff, and they are travelling down to Wembley on or to London on Thursday. So there, there's a Thursday evening, I think. So there'll be a familiarisation visit to Wembley on Friday. Um, I'm not sure if they're allowed to do any training or anything at that point in time on the on the pitch. I don't know that, but there'll be that familiarisation. But in terms of the you know the importance of both the Bromley match and the Notts County match coming up, Paul. How important as well, we talked about the importance of the Bromley 2-0 defeat being fresh in everybody's minds. How important were those games a week or two ago when Chesterfield really had to work hard to win at Dagenham and Redbridge? They had to come from behind uh, against Eastleigh. Yeah, that was good practice, good training for a game that you know is going to be tight and know you've got to be fully concentrating for well, what turned out to be 120 minutes plus. And yeah, I, I think Sometimes when you cruise into victories like Wrexham and Notts County have been doing, it's a bit like Celtic and Rangers, isn't it? You know, mm. you go into Europe and all of a sudden you're not quite doing as well as you might be because it's not a, a massive match against Ross County or whatever. No disrespect to Ross County. But I, I, I think the fact that Chesterfield have had to battle to wins a bit more is not a bad thing. Yeah, I think it's a good point there. It's about work ethic, isn't it? And you've seen that from the side. You've seen them being able to to go forward. You know, they've not had good first halves, but they've battled hard. And, and, and Dagenham was a real tough struggle, but they they got there with the one nil win, didn't they? With Mandeville eventually, with that bit of quality from from Banks, you know, with that cross that he put into him, and then you know, been able to take that opportunity, take it forward. They weren't great at all against Eastleigh, and somehow found themselves. Two goals down and having to do it the hard way there. But again, it showed a bit of spirit, a bit of work ethic. And look, all is not lost. Go for it. You know, and that's exactly what they did against Eastleigh. It was coming that game. You know, the, the, the goals were were coming. You know, you could sense that in that. And the crowd were right behind them as well. And that's exactly that's that's been a key point as well. The crowd have been right behind Chesterfield. It's hats off to them. You know, they had that bad night against Woking in the first half. Um, but since then, really, they've, they've been sort of positive, even though even the defeat against York, for example, it was, you know, that was a bit of a shock, you know, but then they moved quickly on to that game against Dagenham, you know, and there were over 500, I think, fans went down to, to Dagenham to go and support them, you know, which is incredible, you know, numbers. Uh, and they've just taken that spirit forward, you know, going into games. Yeah, they had the bad day at, at Bromley, but they quickly got away from that, had the the bad first half against Maidstone. It's, it wouldn't be Chesterfield if there was something like not not great in it. You know what I mean? It's the the perfect performance doesn't often quite happen, you know. Um but the second half against Maidstone, they showed why they're third in the table. They showed why they were really, really cutting. And tell you what, on Saturday Chesterfield have got nothing to lose in terms of not are really worried about Chesterfield. They really are. Um because they know that they can compete against uh, the Spurs. And if it hadn't been for uh, Jeff King getting sent off, uh, uh, Chesterfield could have very well and gone and won that game um, at home, you know, and very nearly did 
the uh, the away game at Medal Lane. So look, it's all up for grabs. Yeah, Notts going as favourites as rightly so. They've been unbelievable this season, and excellent football inside. You can just see how they play. But I think Chesterfield have got things up their sleeve. I think they're a nuisance to Notts. I think they have been for the last couple of seasons, maybe three seasons now. Um, and I think that that could be key for the Spyrites. They've just got to maintain a bit of discipline. I know you don't know the answer to this, Stuart, but make some make something up. <laughs> how will how will Notts and their players and their supporters be feeling after getting 107 points and scoring 117 goals? The best season in the National League or the Pre- Alliance Premier League conference, call it what you will, ever. Oh, apart from Wrexham. Uh, one, yeah. <laughs> how will they be feeling? Um, I imagine they'll be feeling supremely confident, you know. But, as Paul says, they're up against us and they know that we'll give them a game. So there might just be a, a bit of a doubt creeping in, you know. Perhaps if it doesn't go their way in the first half or whatever, you know. Um, I mean, somebody made a joke about somebody on on the radio i think i was listening to about knots made a joke about 15,000 fans being at meadow lane against boreham wood and then booing them off at half time well you know if 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 they don't if, if they get that sort of response at, at at wembley then who knows where it will go um boreham wood had the best defense in the league didn't they but not still managed to puncture that three times um you know, to go on and record the win. Um, whether we can hold our our game together if we do go ahead and come under a tremendous pressure, I don't know. Um, I'd like to think that we would. And over the last few games, you know, the fact that we've had to battle to wins and come from behind in certain games and that nothing has been taken for granted. If we'd have won them all 2 or 3-0, we'd have gone down there on Saturday with an arrogance and a swagger you know, and we'd have probably got our pants kicked firmly by Notts County. But we'll go down there with a genuine confidence that has been built up as a result of having to play hard, physically demanding games, um, sometimes against the run of play. We've had to come back from, from being a goal down and go on to win, you know, and that gives you a confidence, which I think is is far more um unshakable if you like than any sort of swagger or or arrogance you know if if there is any that knots may have about all their goals and all their points you know i I suppose the football world is united behind knots county but so the football world goes home miserable on saturday night you know (laughs) who knows well you're on mute phil just the, yeah, the bad news from a Chesterfield perspective is that you know Macaulay Langstaff's only scored one goal in the last five matches, but in those five matches, a total of ten different players have scored. Yeah. So they're a little bit like Chesterfield. They've got a super duper scorer, which Chesterfield mm. haven't, but they've got lots of other people who score as well. Mm. And we're a different side, aren't we, to the one that played against? And we set up differently now. You know, we've got Dallas in that front forward role. They won't have played against that against us anyway um so that'll be so you know we'll know what what they have to offer but they'll be a bit less certain about us i think and they were booed off at half time at meadow lane back in august mm-hmm. um against just yeah. you know so and was it season before last when they brought 1800 fans here and they were all deathly quiet 
after about the hour mark and half of them had left the stadium by the final whistle. So, you know, um, we're in the position of being the team that needs to, to get in amongst them and silence their fans because they'll have more than us. You know, of course they will. They'll have probably 10,000 more than we do, you know, but if we can keep them quiet, you know, we're suddenly in that underdog position, aren't we? Of being perhaps mm. the smaller club slightly, um, you know, that has to go and, and slay Goliath, if you like, you know? Um, and it's, it's a slightly strange position for us. Um, but as I say, with the confidence that we've gained from having battled through these exhausting wins, um, I don't see why we can't go and do it. Daz, you probably watch more National League football than the the, the rest. I've obviously seen Notts County plenty of times this mm. season. A little bit like Chesterfield with with Colclough and Dallas. Mm. They've they've reshaped the side a little bit with the likes of uh, Bostock coming in and um, also Jones has got a cracker on mm. the weekend. Yeah. Didn't he? Yeah. But when you look at players like Rodriguez and Aaron Niman, Adam Chickson going down the the left hand side. And then you know, solidity in the middle from the likes of, of Matty Palmer, a bit of, bit of skill from Bostock, who we, we mentioned. Whilst you've got Langstaff up top and Kedwin Scott likely to come off the, the bench, whether it be Scott or Austin start, won't it, alongside Langstaff. They have got a lot there. Well, they have. The one thing about Knotts is they play the same way irrespective of the opponent. There'll, there'll be no curveball thrown on Saturday. They have a way of playing and they stick to it come hell or high water. And um, what w- one of the things that encourages me is that inflexibility. They don't have chuck on a big man for the last 15 minutes if it's getting desperate and nothing else is working. Um, they will keep passing, they'll keep prodding, they'll keep trying to control the pace of the game. And what we've managed to do in both matches against them is actually, I think if you looked at the stats, and somebody mentioned this over the weekend, their stats for possession are normally 70% and above in most games. And they haven't been against us because we've set traps for them all over the place. I think it's going to be a fascinating tactical battle between the two managers. Um, And I think Cookie has a plan. And it, it worked for an hour at Knotts. We were 2-0 up. Asante then hit the bar with a, with something that no, almost broke it in half, which would have been three, and that would have been game over. We've then had one of our usual defensive lapses down the left-hand side that let in um, Austin to cross for uh, Langstaff's first. And then they've, they've immediately come and got a second. But after that, the game settled down again, and the same pattern was established. And if you look back to the game at home, we were more than in the game and were undone by a long ball over the top, which Grimes misjudged and perhaps four months later, Fitzsimmons would have been another 10 yards further forward and might have cleared before Langstaff got it. Uh, now playing this sweeper-keeper job. Um, we then took control of the game and got back in it. We were actually on top of the game at the point Jeff King had one of his Jeff King moments and managed to get himself sent off. Uh, and although they then had 10 minutes where they dominated possession, as you would think they would anyway, but we, against 10 men and they scored, for the last 25 minutes, we battered them with 10 men. So 
whatever pattern they will play, and they'll play the same pattern as they've done all season because they don't have another way of playing, I'm not worried about it. I'm really not worried about it. I think we have, both tactically and man for man, the now to play against them. And I think one of you mentioned earlier, it, it will be bugging Luke Williams. He knows he's not coming up against someone who's going to be intimidated in, in Cookie. Uh, and it will be in the back of both of their players' minds that most teams have gone in against them this season, certainly for the last three quarters of it, fearing the worst and knowing this reputation that they're going to pass you off the park and this and that and the other. They're not going to have an opponent doing that on Saturday, that is for sure. He's called their team bulletproof, hasn't he? In the build-up. Mm. Yeah. yeah. This is a few days after he said that they're not favourites. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. make your mind up, and mate. Paul, it's a, it's a big game for both sides. Um, it was a, a massive game for Notts County at Wrexham a week or two ago. That mm. was you know, the potential for the season in one match, and they came out in second place on that one. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, yeah, they were, uh, what, a, a fingertip save away from getting a point out of that one, weren't they, really? Um, yeah, big games, isn't it? Yeah, I wonder what, whether they can hold that nerve and and keep you, because certainly, like, you know, Notts will probably think that, that they've only got themselves to beat, you know, whether they've got the mental strength to get through it. You know, it's a, it's a massive occasion. You know, the weight of the whole season is upon you. You've, you've jousted with Wrexham all that way. Having to do it the hard way, you know, two 0 down against Bourne Wood, and full credit to Notts County, he had to rely on a centre half to get you out of jail to uh, to score that goal and a substitute to get you going uh, into the final. Kudos to the side there; they've got uh, some uh, some balls about them, haven't they? Really, I think uh, so. You know, but like like we said, the the pressure is on Chesterfield, but not as much as it is on Notts County. You know, uh, they they will be rightly favourites, and by uh, by a margin, I would say. I, I wouldn't like to know about the bookmakers, but I, I think they would be. You know, everybody's going to be lumping on them. Um, and, I think five, you know, five right, to right two is five to two on is is <laughs> about the average for Notts County. Mm. So uh, you know, and and that's that's to win the game in ninety minutes. I'm, I'm not sure it's to be a, a little bit less than that for outright promotion. I think, but. Uh, um, yeah, two and a half to one on ish. Yeah. Which in a two horse race against a team that two teams that finish next to each other in the league table yeah. is showing that there's a lot of money on Notts County. I think mean, it's been uh, a mad relatively small amount on Chesterfield. Mad mad season, so, really. I mean there were some people saying a couple of days ago that they got three to one on Chesterfield. So uh, that's a terrific price in yeah uh, in mm. such a in such a match match, no question about it. But Stu, they've 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 shown some frailties on the three matches they lost in the National League. One was against Wrexham, which we've just talked about. They lost at home to Dagenham Redbridge in February. And then they lost away at Dorking Wanderers back in the autumn time when it was 1-1 one, one and 90 minutes. And they lost 3-1. <laughs> well, they're two teams who, you know, like to try and play a bit as well, aren't they? Dagenham, my favourite team to come and watch here because I always give you a game, you know. And, and Dorking haven't engineered their own survival by having some great lump up front that they just kicked the ball at you know um so perhaps there is a frailty there you know um that if you go about your game properly that you can you can get among them and hurt them yeah i mean to go through a season with losing only three games is 
it's bonkers, isn't it? Really, it's um, you know, we what what have we lost? Ten or something? You know, twelve. Twelve, 12 is it? Good lord. Um, and, and just to put it into some sort of perspective, to have overtaken knots, we would have had to have turned eight of those twelve defeats into victories. Yeah, that's that's how far away it was. Mm. And, yeah. and and yet yeah. and yet this is the joint third amount of points in the club's history without winning a league title as well yeah it is mm. an astonishing season it is that they it still is. find yourself 27 points behind the side of finish second mm. you just hope Incredible. that which, whichever two happens to go up will continue to bang the drum for three up three down mm. uh, yeah. even though they will now be in the position of one of the three down teams uh, we'll see how long that lasts but uh and, and of course, Daz, for whichever team loses, when you look at Rochdale and Hartlepool coming down, I know uh, Fylde and Ebbsfleet have come up and the, the playoffs still in that, but, but St Albans, Brackley Town could be mm. sort of coming up. You've got to say whoever loses will be perhaps the biggest favourites to win the National League next season that there's been. Certainly mm. probably even shorter price than Wrexham were this year. Because there doesn't mm. appear, and I know... Uh, a summertime recruiting is a long time, but there doesn't appear to be any serious competition. Another winding up petition at South End, you know, Oldham perhaps look the ones who are in the most likely shape mm. to come back. Good crowds and and the ownership getting behind them. But you know, you'd think that not so Chesterfield will be massive favourites. You know, whichever team loses for next year. Yeah, I don't disagree. But one of the things that struck me about Saturday is. We've been more or less favourites for every game for the last five years. Every league game, with the possible exception of Wrexham away recently, uh, we've probably been favourites or joint favourites. We've had to play teams coming, raising the game, going away, teams raising the game. It's their cup final kind of attitude. And we've, we've been the ones that have been on the end of that for five years solid. And on Saturday, we're at absolutely the other end of it. Um, the the Wrexham guys are talking, up, oh, it was so, it would only be fair if Nuts go up. You know, the national press are behind them. Um, the, their huge supporter base is obviously very expectant now. Um, I think all the pressure's on them and none's on us on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and putting next season aside, Phil, I, I, uh, you know, for a moment, I, I, I completely agree with you. It, it'd be, it, it's going to be unbearable pressure on whichever one's left next year because everybody will expect you to just walk away with it. And as we know, it won't be that yeah. easy. It won't be that easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah the, 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 the losing team might get 105 points and actually yeah. win the league. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> year something like that but 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 paul there's there's a lot of similarities and i know the the prize and the pressures will be very different but lots of similarities on the johnson's paint match against paolo de canio and swindon yeah oh very much so yeah that was a weird scenario wasn't it just for bottom of the league one swindon top of league two and not roughing the higher league play side uh as guy mowbray stated being the 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 underdogs in the in the Mm -hmm. game yeah um yeah, that, it was very, very odd, wasn't it, uh, in, in in that scenario? But what what a day that was! And again, it's a great leveler. This is a cup final on Saturday, you know. It's it's whoever turns up on the on the day, isn't it, to win it? Mm. You know, and you have you have favourites going into it. Of course, it's the 
is it the fairest way to to do the the, the scenario it will an extra automatic place would have been handy wouldn't it uh, for, for Notts County's point of view and then Chesterfield still would have been playing in the in the playoffs wouldn't they to get that that third place so it doesn't matter to, to, to town they're, they're there anyway they were half expecting today other than being that bad week in back in October that cost Chesterfield the title you know um but yeah I mean you look back on on memory Chesterfield have got that um trying to think going into the the 94-95 playoff final, that was very much more even, wasn't it, against Berry? Because Chesterfield had been up there in the top of the table for quite some time, and Berry was who snuck in at the back door, wasn't it, really, at the end, I think, from from memory. Um, yeah, Chesterfield so had an opportunity, to, uh, uh, um, an opportunity to, to to win it, didn't they? Uh, yeah. To, to get the promotion and, and, and missed out. But, of course, they... They were floating on air after that semi-final victory over over Mansfield Town. That put everybody in great spirit. And of course, that was yeah. that was yeah. long Chesterfield long throws that won that. We were we were <laughs> doing a Wrexham before Wrexham had invented it. So, uh, <laughs> so who's yeah, got the long throw in the Chesterfield yet. side? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, oh, that that was quite quite funny on 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 Sunday where Show Me, who's got a very long throw, although it looked longer at Bromley where it's a smaller pitch. And he was he was he was flighting it too high too often, but yeah. about seventy five percent of his going to be a long throws he threw sideways or backwards. Yeah, <laughs> he was very odd. And what a, what a game he had by the way on on, on the day. You know, I thought he'd got you know got injured pretty pretty early. He was obviously feeling something, but my word, what a performance he put in for his side as well. And Bromley went out of that game with great credit. I thought they were excellent. Yeah, best we've seen them in eleven meetings, isn't it for? for yeah. On on every front, yeah. On every front, no no, yeah. no question about that. And uh, you know, Chesterfield had only beaten them once at home in the previous five, <clears throat> so they're they're never a team. Yeah, Andy Andy Woodman's done a great job there, same as Luke Garrod has done it um, at, at Boreham Wood. Yeah, they've got no resources of any any note, but you know, and Luke Garrod, somebody was telling me the other day that you know his chairman tells him what budget he's got and he says well you know we'll uh, we'll do pretty well it'll it says it'll be rubbish to watch but mm-hmm. we'll do all right well, i'm gonna uh, i'm gonna drop in that- i interviewed andy woodman after the after the game i'm gonna drop in his interview now so i'll just uh just pop that in just pop that in to listen to it right now after you after you finish phil yeah well let's let's hear from uh from An- andy woodman uh, who was very emotional on the day yeah, I'm, I'm extremely proud, but um, you know that's all we can probably take away from it. Unfortunately, uh, the, the pride will wear off, and and then the realism is set in that we was close. But I don't think over the course of the match we were the better team, if I'm to be honest. Did you leave yourself a lot to do with the sending off and that? Now, what's your view on it first and foremost? Well, I haven't seen it back. I thought the referee had two big moments. Uh, one was the, the sending off, uh, and one was the handball for the free kick. I couldn't say if I haven't seen it back generally, so I couldn't say if you got it right or wrong. Um, but it is what it is, you know. I'm not going to cry about the ref. We had an, an excellent game, and um, look, they were better. They were the better team. So uh, let, let's hold our hands up and, and take it on the chin and wish uh, Chesterfield, who are a big club, all the best in a final against uh, against Notts. So it'd be a good final. You must have been delighted the way the, the team started as well. The game started on the front foot. Yeah, we did a little bit, and then we sort of uh, then they got their rhythm. I mean, it was a funny old game, wasn't it? We got it stopped for an instant in the crowd, and then we got a stop for a drone. And I have to be honest, that kind of suited us, I thought. So uh, I'll have to get the drone out again next season and stop a game. 
Um, but look, yeah, they're a bit, this, this, look at our club and their club. I'm, I'm so proud of my club in one breath. Um, but look at the size of this club and the riches it's got compared to us. So us to just be competing at this level is testament to, to us as a club. Both clubs are making steps in the right direction. Do you feel that, though? Yeah, I do. I do. But I, I think it's very important we don't have any hangover here. Uh, and we get back to work straight away. You know, uh, I'll be getting back to work tomorrow um, and looking to, to start my building process for next season and uh, go to war again. Have you got plenty of players out of contract or have you got some... No, not too to many. We pretty much know what we're going to do in that department. Um, and hopefully... Uh, I'm pretty sure I won't get any more finances to make our strokes stronger, but you know, it is what it is. We're, we're, I'm going to take a little bit of time just to you know, get my head around what's going on here today, and then um, you know, football moves quickly. Got some walking wounded as well, haven't you, in the side? Yeah, I, I mean, I really look, I, I, this, I knew the rules before the start of the season, and um, you finish seventh or sixth, it's such a mammoth task. I mean, you play on a Tuesday or a Wednesday, you lose an extra day. Uh, recovery you play away you know you play away again I mean it's so hard I mean uh, you know and um, you just run out of steam in the end and I think you know if you haven't got a massive squad that's pretty much what happened and we we ran out of steam a little bit at the end and uh, I think it just caught up with us two final questions from me the atmosphere first and foremost what what, what did you make of it today oh, brilliant wasn't it I mean um Fair play to the, the Chesterfield fans. I thought they were brilliant, by the way. And I just went out and clapped them because I, I felt I felt they really made a really good atmosphere today, and it were, it actually gave me a little tingle, to be honest, uh, being back in the in the big time that I was in, you know, with the Premier League and all the the noise and 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 the, and, the, and the sort of um, the, the the just just the surroundings of it. It was brilliant, so I enjoyed that. And um, Chesterfield were excellent, you know, their fans were excellent, and our fans were brilliant as well, by the way. Certainly, men are not noisy. Yeah. Good 700 or so fans yeah. today. Yeah, I apologise for not going over to Clapham, to be honest, because all the fans come on the pitch, so that was a little bit disappointing that I couldn't do that, but I understand um, how jubilant these fans are here, and rightly so. And I bet Chesterfield are fed up with Michael Cheek, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Well, we're fed up with Chesterfield. <laughs> um, but no, listen, I, I'd like to wish Chesterfield uh, and Notts County all the best. It's going to be a great, a great final. I think it's a final everyone wanted on the outside, and... Um, uh, us and Boron would definitely didn't want it. So, um, so yeah, let's uh, let's look forward to a, a good final. Lines on will play anyway. Thank you very much. Thanks for your time. Cheers. So Paul Cook, manager, three different teams has led to uh, to championships. He's led Chesterfield to Wembley before in the JPT final against Peterborough, where sadly that uh, didn't happen, but won the championship in the same in the same season. There's been people questioning him, uh, Daz, at times last season and this season. Has he answered those critics yet, or will it need promotion to answer those critics? Oh, it'll need promotion, Phil. Undoubtedly, it'll need promotion because some people can't see a good thing when it's sat in front of them, can they? Uh, I mean, we were so fortunate that circumstances dictated that he was available when he was, um, that he kind of fell out of love with the game, that our need was great in, in, in a shortish time scale or under unusual circumstances. It all came together. Um 
it looked as though talks had broken down, didn't it? If you were to believe the the reports, uh, and that it wasn't going to happen, and then suddenly he, he appeared on Sky, I think, doing a a thing in the studio on Sky Sports News, and when when questioned on the night we were at Stockport as to whether he got any passing interest in the game, he, he was looking rather bashful. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I think we're very fortunate to have him. He, he's clearly got. Um, a love for the club uh, and it runs very deep with him and I think you know when when he sat in his initial interview and said I want to put this club back where I left it he meant it he really meant it and uh, there was all the speculation as to how long a contract he's got and first time anybody bigger comes along he'll be off and all that kind of stuff I think he's here to do a job and He'll not rest until he's done it, to be honest, and that's to get us back into League One. And provided the board, provided yeah, the board yeah. can can give him the resources to do it, I, I think he'll do it in the end. Well, that Stockport match that you mentioned when he was uh, televisually uh, uh, busy, he'd, he'd uh, agreed to come and do co-commentary with me on 1866 yeah. Sport, but then you know various bits and bobs of talk, he said it might not be the right idea. Yes. <laughs> To do it, so I've still I've still not done done a commentary with uh, with Cookie, but that would be uh, that would be quite good. But but Stuart, I mean, his if if he does manage to get Chesterfield up either on Saturday or 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 next season, that will be you know a, a massive achievement. Not not because Chesterfield of you know it, it, it's it's not it's no fairy tale the same way as Wrexham's no fairy tale. Yeah, we ought to be doing better than most of the sides at this level but for three years we weren't mm. and a little bit like when he went to Portsmouth you know where he needed to stop the rot before he could go start going upwards well whilst it wasn't rotten on the park when he arrived it 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 was very very difficult circumstances that he had to work with you absolutely was yes um and and you know because of the way that his predecessor worked there wasn't really very much in the way of an infrastructure for him to inherit and just sort of slip very easily into um so he had to build all that kind of stuff as well um it it will be such an achievement i was just thinking when john duncan took us up through the playoffs in 94-5 because of league reorganization i think that was two up by right and one through the playoffs oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Mm. this season obviously one through by right and one through the playoffs so you know when you look at the you know the kind of limited aperture through which you can get a team promoted this will be i think if, if it happens touch wood um will be probably the greatest promotion that we would have had in our history you know um that's just how i feel about I, it anyway I, I, somebody from look north phoned me up and had a chat earlier on today and said and asked me the question is is this the most you know will this be the biggest game chester will have ever played in oh yeah um, straight away i said so well the fa cup semi-final is uh pretty big but mm. where would you rate it if chesterfield well w- whether or not chesterfield go because if they lose it's just yeah. a real disappointment, isn't it? But if yeah. Chesterfield win, where, where does it rate for you? For me, it will be the most important game we've probably ever played in, um, you know, because of the prize at the end of it. Um, 
biggest game, the cup semi-final, even if you go there and lose, it's still a cup semi-final for a third division team. So it still lingers long in the memory, especially the circumstances of the first game with us. Um, but Saturday for me is not really about creating memories. It's about going and doing a job. Um, and, you know, if we decide to go there and play like Boreham Wood or someone or Solihull Moors and come away with a win, well, you know, I'll excuse them once for doing that, um, but that <laughs> won't happen. Um, so the prize is the thing, isn't it? And, and, and the, uh, the prize for us on Saturday is, I would say, probably even greater than the prize that was at stake against Middlesbrough, you know, an FA Cup semi-final, mm. an FA Cup final game against Chelsea, which would probably have been about six or seven nil in their favour, you know. Um, I, I think Football League football is is a big prize for us under the circumstances, especially with the recent past that we, you know, that we've had that you've alluded to in, in, in your question. Um, yes, it, it, it's a bigger prize. So for me, that makes it a bigger game. We talked, Daz, about knowing what Notts County will do and how they'll approach the game and it'll be in the right way. Uh, we assume Paul Cook will do the same, but do you think he'll do it the same, assuming everybody recovered from their bumps and bruises and knocks and dead legs and everything? Will he go with the same 11 that he went with against Bromley? Mm, good question. I personally felt he picked the wrong side Sunday to begin with, because um, I would have gone uh, Dallas playing behind um, McCullum. McCullum. Yeah. Mm. I think we look more balanced with that. Um, and I think Dobra, quite rightly, first game back was throwing off rust and got an hour. I thought he was slightly better, but not back to full sharpness on on Sunday and, and put in a decent shift. Obviously, I think he came off 87 or something, was it? Um, but I'd still, I, I would think that will be the, there'll be two big questions, I think, or three really. Does he play Clements ahead of Maguire? Uh, and you'd have to say, I don't wholly old, um, blame Clements for their equaliser on Sunday. I think him and Cole Clough had just crashed into one another and they were both hobbling with dead legs and all sorts of things. And he kind of, we, we kind of got exposed on the back, the back peg. But I think he's been terrific the last two games he's come in. Um, and I think he's a better bet than Horton, in fairness. Uh he, he offers you something going forward that Lawrence doesn't. Uh, he's got a bit more pace than Lawrence. So against their their probable wide man domain, I think he might be the better bet. Cookie might go Horton because he's, he's even quicker. But le- left back's an issue, isn't it? Uh, which is up in the air. And then what does Chase he do? And the fact that, yeah, and the fact that Chickson goes down the left-hand side and we know about Kings defending... Uh, uh, they're going to be the areas that not so look to hurt Chesterfield the most yes yeah Uh, although Chickson's not been in great form the last month six weeks or so Uh, but we Jeff can't defend can he bottom line Um, um, he's not having the greatest of times at either end of the pitch at the minute his deliveries aren't aren't great um, let's let's just hope he's got one one good performance in him at the weekend And, and the other the other two areas for me is that question do you do you put Dallas up top and leave McCullum on the bench or do you put McCullum up top and drop Dallas into number 10 um 
and then it's it's two out of three or two out of four in midfield. Um, Akinola played against Knotts uh, with Jones and Banks when we played him at home. Um, so it'll it'll be very interesting to see what he does. I think those are the those are the things that it'll not be keeping him awake at night because if you look back twelve months, we we were barely putting the team out, were we? Um, you know, we were really down to bare bones. Um, at least this time, he's he's got options. The eleven he started with, and then you're talking about McCullum, Banks, Quigley, Williams, Coverland, Horton, Maguire, Akinola, Jez. Yeah, there you go, Paul. Sort that lot out, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about let's talk about Andy Dallas. Uh, Paul, you know, he, he mm. scored the last gas winner against Eastleigh. Uh, uh, scored against Torquay, got the hat trick against Maystone. Uh, was was instrumental in one of the goals on Saturday, even though you know I, I called it a, 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 as Dallas initially, but it's clearly an, an Ellery week own goal. Um, having taken a while to settle in, and we can think of one or two misses, Maidenhead particularly, that he had. Is mm. is found his scoring boots again now, and he's. Yeah, he, he scored that goal at Wheelston that he's never been credited with, uh, but he's got 20 for the season, so we've got our 20 goal striker. And he got uh, uh, another goal from the free kick that looped off his back, by the way, mm. Old Acres mm. free kick. So uh, he wasn't credited with that either. So, um, but obviously you're not going to you're not going to take it off Old Acre now, are you? So, um, <laughs> so that's the theory. But he is in tip-top form, yeah, and he's looking really, really sharp. And look at the weapons that Chesterfield have got as well. When you've got Mandeville, Dobber, and Colclough, Mandeville, ten goals, so many assists, his best season in his entire footballing life so far you know and he's still got more to give and he's chasing up and down the the track and he, he was the one who looked more energized than anybody else at the end of the and the end of the 120 mm-hmm. minutes a remarkable performance from from him and rightly deserved to get a man of the match i think uh that he picked up i think so it was incredible um and, um, and, and of course he'll be uh we're telling everybody for years how he robbed Bergkamp on the edge of the box <laughs> yeah, yeah. well I, I got a little excited because uh fisher took the ball uh, and played it to Bergkamp, so i was quite happy with that so i've never you know that that's never going to be a sentence again in my uh in ever in my household so um <laughs> but the you mentioned about just, come on yeah, I say you mentioned about Mandeville, three three player of the year gongs, four if you include the Tokyo Spyrites uh, mm. uh, as well, and it was a one man procession really, wasn't it? I don't think, I don't think if the bookies had been offering odds, there'd have been anybody else that have had any. No, I don't, I don't think so. No, the probably the nearest one for me, I, don't, I wasn't there at the play of the end. I don't know the voting or anything like that, but I, I assume that Jamie Grimes was quite up, quite up there, was he? Yeah. In terms of the voting, he may have come second. I don't, I don't know, but well, it wasn't revealed. It was just the winner that was revealed. Right. Okay. But I, I mean, because him to play every every second of the uh, the entire you know league season that he's done as well, he's quite remarkable from his mm-hmm. point of view. Um, the, the comeback for Jamie Grimes, I think, is. You know he has his limitations, but my word, and he's a silent captain. I don't, I don't always like in the dressing room, but he certainly comes a bit of, he gets a bit of calmness, and and that when he comes out to do the interviews and everything, he, on the on the field, he, you know, he looks. There's probably more leaders ahead of him, Mike Jones being probably one. Um, but you know, there's obviously got the captain's armband for a reason, hasn't he, uh, Jamie Grimes? And what a what a season he's had. And talking about. Mike Jones Stewart. He he is uh, 
Paul Cook's Richie Humphreys of, of the season, isn't he? He certainly is, yes. I mean, <coughs> excuse me, I mean, we all knew who he was uh, when we signed him because we've seen him for plenty of times playing for Berry and the like. Um, but, but even so, you know, we probably would have benefited from a, a an experienced presence in the middle of the team, but but 35 years old, you know, um, you wonder whether whether he, he was the right man. And goodness me, Cookie knows his stuff, doesn't he, with players? And and, and he's just turned out to be absolutely a, a revelation and but for the improvement in in Liam Mandeville this season and a continued improvement over the last few seasons, he may well have come into contention for um, for for um, player of the year uh, but no Jonesy's Jonesy's place in the side just as a little breaker up and, and as Paul said he, he's probably a bit more of a vocal presence isn't he uh, and you saw his kind of unofficial captaincy going yeah. going when um, when um, <laughs> Jeff King went down in the yeah. box and was furious that he didn't get a penalty and Jonesy was straight over telling him to shut up and get on with it rather than yeah. get another yellow yeah. card, you know. Um, that's the sort of thing that you need in your team. And, and yeah, you need a captain. Of course you do. You need somebody, you know, to, 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 to be the figurehead and the inspiration. But you need leaders all over the pitch, don't you? And, and, and we're slowly assembling that, that sort of 11, I think, now. You know, we, we, we've got more leaders in different positions than we have had for a while. And of course, as the, the the player finals or final for the National League hasn't been at Wembley for a year or two because, of course, it was mm. at West Ham last year and then during COVID it was Ashton Gate and some, somewhere else, <laughs> wasn't it? So, um, whereas generally you can find a few people who played in uh, playoff finals or played at Wembley before, we're, we're a little bit short of, of players who've played at Wembley. Ollie Banks is a playoff winner. He won for Tranmere at Wembley, but of course he mm. picked up that nasty injury against Peterborough in the 2014 mm-hmm. JPT yeah. uh, tournament, didn't he? And uh, Quigley and and Grimes have both played in losing matches. Quigley was at Boreham Wood when they lost to, to Tranmere. Uh, not the same match that Tranmere, that, that was the season after that Ollie Banks played for Tranmere in the, yeah. the League 2 playoff. And uh, Jamie Grimes has lost in the trophy final to for, for Hereford. Um, so there's a, there's a bit of Wembley experience, but there's more defeats. Paul Cook mm. lost on his only uh, on his only trip to Wembley, and I was looking back. Gary Roberts played in the successful Huddersfield Town playoff uh, win over Sheffield United that went to penalties, and he took one mm. of the penalties. It was eight seven. Huddersfield won eight seven on penalties, but they missed their first three and still won. All right, good and, lord. Uh, um, Roberts took the seventh penalty. So he didn't, he wasn't one of the first five. He took the seventh. Yeah. And uh, so, so he'll, he'll be able to talk through what penalties feel like in a pressurized environment. Cause I assume that Huddersfield Sheffield United was as close to full as full, mm. full can be. And I've also found out somebody with Wembley experience as well, who's no great surprise because he won 30 odd England caps, but Kieran Dyer, of yeah. course, has played yeah. at, uh, uh, at Wembley many times. And I found out one little stat about him, Stuart. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 it's a just one of those wonderful things that there won't be that many people on the planet really have realised this. But Kieran Dyer is one of only three men to have played in the old Wembley's last game ah. and the new Wembley's first game. Wow. Excellent. And the other Excellent two are Michael stat. Owen and David Beckham. 
Yeah, whatever. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So that's not a bad little trio, is it? No. Well, for Kira Dyer. To be I'm not sure if Beckham's as quite as impressed. <laughs> but yeah, he played in the last game against Germany hmm. um, when Keegan yeah. resigned at the end of it, and the first game against Brazil. So substitute both times, but he came on. He, he was a playing sub. So yeah, along with Beckham and Owen, not a bad little uh, record. So there's a bit of Wembley experience there in the in the dressing room. I've not checked through the. Um, Notts County side to see what sort of experience they may or may not have, but uh, um, yeah, that, that, that'll help, Paul, won't it? When when you've got people who've who've played there, and it'll help when you've got people who've played and lost there, and they're telling you how bad it is when you lose. Absolutely, it helps when you've got a uh, keeper on the bench as well who scored a uh, last-minute equaliser in a uh, yeah. National League playoff <laughs> uh, final, won't you? So at, uh, even though it wasn't at Wembley, but uh, I don't know what experience he can bring. Uh, other than absolute madness, I think. But uh, but yeah, he's. Um, <laughs> I think I think you know. You, at times, uh, Jamie Graham just come out and said he's got a bit of business with with Wembley and that he wants to to sort it out. Um, you know, you look at the younger players, Clements and and Dobra, and I'm pleased for Mike Jones if he gets if he gets a game, of course, uh, to, to to play in that. Um, you know, never thought that he'd. Maybe play, I can't remember whether he's played there before at all. I haven't really checked on uh, on Jones's Wembley history. Liam Mandeville interviewed him after the game. He hadn't played there before, so it's uh, it's good for him. And what a place to play! And then put the four-two-three-one formation that uh, Paul Cook plays perfect for Wembley, isn't it? How well Chesterfield played against Peterborough. Uh, we're undone by some set pieces, I hasten to add, with one of them being Ian Everett off the field of play in yeah, that yeah. JPT final. Um, but my word, Chesterfield certainly played uh, Peterborough off the park in that day, and a side that were one league above above them in the table, and they were very lucky. Uh, very, Peterborough were very lucky on the day to come out with a three-one win, and it sounds bizarre saying that. Yeah, yeah, uh, and uh, of course they had Brit Sam Malonga sent off as well, didn't they later on in the mm, uh, yeah. in, in the game after he scored a penalty? Uh, uh, in terms of those interviews post-match on Sunday, I was, you know. I asked Ross Fitzsimons if he'd, he'd been to Wembley before. Just winding the clock back a little bit, when we were down at Bromley, you and I spotted him talking uh, in a very jovial way pre-match with Andy Andy Woodman. Yeah. And uh, uh, um, so I sort of I said to Fitzsimons, have you, "Have you said I don't think you played at Wembley?" But he says, "Oh, I've only ever been once." And uh, I said, "Oh, what, what was that for?" He said, "He was to see Crystal Palace against Watford." In the playoff no. match, I said, "Are we on? We're on the books at Crystal Palace." And he sort of said, uh, "Yeah, I want to see my mate, who was Andy Woodman's son." So he oh, used to play Freddie with Woodman. Andy Woodman's son. Yeah. yeah. So Freddie Woodman. So that's that where the, the link with Andy Woodman comes, which that answers was the, a question that we weren't sure about it. Down at yeah, Hitler. we got it right. Um, well, that's that's uh, that's got that then. Yeah. yeah that was a Kevin Phillips one, I think. Kevin Phillips scored Freddie for Wood. Crystal Palace in the last minute, I think. It's Watford, yeah. Just before he was seen in Tesco's, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that, I think that was his last game before he was spotted in Tesco's. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. So, it, uh, Liam Mandeville's never, Dobra's never been, you know. So, uh, um, and I did tongue in cheek ask Mandeville if he knew where Wembley was because on his podcast that he did with, with, uh, with Dave, Legend of the Spire, uh, when he signed for Doncaster, he said, I didn't know, I didn't know where Doncaster was. So uh, I asked. He said, "It's in London, isn't it?" Thought, yeah, it's near enough. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, are, are, are we 
confident, Daz? Are you confident? Yeah. I, as I say, I think it's a 50-50 call and the coin could fall either way. Uh, I think it'll be very competitive. I can't see one team or the other blowing the other one out. Um, I think both back three in their case and four in our case have got a rick in them. Um, so I'm, I think it's bound to be goals. Uh, back in a nil-nil, obviously. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I am confident. I think we've got... Uh, we've got the tools to do the job and I think we've got the manager. Um, and I do think Cookie, uh, his experience over Luke Williams might be absolutely critical on on the weekend. Um, old head. I think he'll have us in the right frame of mind. What I also like to know if anyone else saw today, there was a, a video of the players coming back into the dressing room at the weekend. Mm. Uh, and the celebrations were muted, wouldn't really do it justice. There was a few shouts and clapping of hands and stuff, but nothing else. It was like, okay, that part of the job's done now. Let's go and finish it. You know, there were no, there was there was nothing to to say that mentally they thought the job was done because it isn't, is it? Uh, they've achieved absolutely nothing at the minute. Um, and I'm I'm fairly confident we'll go into it with the right psychological uh, outlook. And it was interesting. I I, I take a, a bit of my wasted time and, and watch and listen to lots of other pods. And there was one last night on uh, on the Magpie Circle, which is a Notts County pod. And Paul Mace had uh, Mark Stallard on, who does the co-commentary for Radio Nottingham with um, Charlie Slater. Uh, and they were, yeah, yeah, exactly. And and they were rightly confident, saying, you know, knots have done it all season and this and that and the other and blah, blah, blah. Uh, and Paul, uh, but Mark Stallard said on so many occasions, he said, it doesn't matter what's gone before. This is all about psychology. It's all about whether you freeze or whether you stick your chest out on the day. And, you know, it's down to individual errors and individual brilliance. And I thought that summed it up pretty well to be honest um yeah it's going to be a fascinating game would you take penalties right now no 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 okay and if we do we don't let a left footer anywhere near them <laughs> because they All miss right. a higher they miss a higher percentage of penalties than anybody else lawrence nowhere near it no don't get no left footers. Laws has done well on these penalties, to, to be fair. But there you yeah. go. Right, such as yeah. uh, you confident, Stu? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, you're up against the second most difficult team you could play in the league, aren't you? And 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 you've always got to be respectful of that. But we are the third most difficult team that anyone could play in the league this season. So so we, you know, irrespective of the the golf in points and goals and all that we we're not far behind them um and if we're organized properly and we go out and do ourselves justice we we've shown this season we run them close over two games although we only come away with one point i think at the end of it um but you know we, we, we've shown we can match them we go out and do that anybody's game yeah we can win it yeah not sure about penalties so i might be walking yeah. back to the coach while the penalties are being taken <laughs> Uh, hypothetical, are, are you glad it's not so not Boreham Wood? 
Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd fancy our chances against Boreham Wood a bit more, probably, because, of course, you'd have to. But but you would also know that Boreham Wood are the sort of side that we traditionally not fail to beat, but that we, we, we lose to ourselves sometimes when we're playing teams like Boreham Wood, don't we? You know, um, and I don't think there'll be any of that with knots. You know, we'll know that we've got to be right on our game and, and we'll be confident, but we won't be expectant you know over expectant um which i think would be confident and no i'm not confident at all um (laughs) i I think that (laughs) not an exceptional side um you know above and beyond the the style of football that they play is one to be admired i think it's um sensational i I love it i love watching them uh, play every time they're on telly it's really good um well, just whether to match them, well, the two league games suggest yes, um, but we didn't beat them. Um, that's the crucial thing on the day. You can get a draw, take it to penalties, and if just will win on penalties, I'll be happy with that. I'll take penalties all day long. Absolutely try and get promoted. It's the cruelest way possible to get to, from whoever the loser is, but them's the rules, aren't they? So um, I'll, I'll certainly take that. Uh, just thinking back to the start of the season on that very hot day at Dorking, you know, and how how incredibly long this season has been, you know, mm. and, you know, the highs and the lows of the seasons we've had and the highs of West Brom and, you know, the, the lows of the nine game winless run that they had earlier on in the season, getting absolutely hammered at home by uh, by Woking that, that the night as well. We'll. Not, doesn't feel great, does it, that, that night? We just thought it was all ended by that uh, particular point, that uh, they're never going to be staying in this division forever. But they've got an opportunity on Saturday now, and it may be a, a, a small opportunity against a side 27 points ahead of them in the table that it's expected to be. They're just, well, just turning up, aren't they? Well, I hope they go in. I hope Notts County think that Chesterfield are just turning up because they'll be coming for a big shock. If uh, if that's the case, and um, yeah, no, I'm not confident at all. I'm not confident, um, but I'm I'm quite happy with that. I'm at peace with that. But of course, none of us were confident when Woking hosted Halifax, and that went quite well for every Chesterfield fan. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So you know. So there you go. Anyway, uh, uh, we, we, we'll we'll finish off by talking about supporters. But before we do that, I've just literally had a a, a text sent to me from. John Crute. I know there's been an awful lot of criticism about the price of transport from Chesterfield, from the official uh, transport, but one of the rationale behind that was to secure a certain amount of coaches. And uh, Notts County have just put this out, and it's literally just come out. In the early part of this week, we've been working tirelessly with our trusted travel providers to try and source additional coaches after selling out our additional convoy of 14 immediately after our semi-final victory. These efforts have resulted in securing transport for a limited number of additional supporters. And as of early evening on Tuesday, we've begun working through the waiting list to offer places to those who added their names. Unfortunately, demand far outweighs supply and will be unable to accommodate everyone who joined the waiting list. So uh, Chesterfield are on coach number 23 the last time I looked mm. and they've got assurances for up to 50. So that was one of the reasons why the prices were were higher. I, I think the club will be sort of saying a little bit about that at some stage. But uh, um, and the other thing is that Chesterfield will be running um, 
quite rightly, because both Chelsea and the last Wembley visit, there were coaches broke down on the way to the uh, the ground mm. on both occasions. So they are also paying, I'm building into the price, for an empty coach to go in case one breaks down. So, you know, the, the, it's a service element on, yeah. on there. The price might be high, but they've sold 23. You know, they're on, they were on coach 23 the last time I, I looked, and it might be very expensive in, considerate, in, in comparison with others, but at least they've got the transport. And it's also, and, you know, individual providers who only get one bus sort of thing well you don't want any of them to break down of course but if they do there's 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 no way back is there really no um you know the bridging have only arranged three because it's a hard thing a hard thing to do and you know it's t- time constraints but i know i know uh, uh paul's got limited time and everything along those lines mm-hmm. and he was uh, uh on the council election recently as well that that took took a lot of his time out at that point in time so whilst you know the the price is very very high um sadly everything at Wembley is 40 quid to park your car you know it's tenner for the program or whatever it's an expensive day there's no question uh uh, about it but just how good have those fans been Daryl you know we going back to uh uh, urging on against Eastleigh and then the nice comfortable matches relatively comfortable matches against Torquay and and Maidstone uh, right back to when we played Notts County, 9,700. I know there are a lot from Notts mm-hmm. County, but it was 9,700 crowd there. And then the crowd on on Sunday against Bromley was awesome, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, I, I love to see it when there's town fans on four sides. It's just, mm-hmm. it, it's something special. And the odd occasion that we've, we've been in that fortunate situation since we moved to the ground, I, I just think it adds to the, the occasion. I mean, I love having I love having the away end full as well, um, to be honest, because the banter and the atmosphere and everything else. Our lot have been terrific these last six weeks, because the when we were going on the bad run that Paul referred, referred to earlier, there was some toxic stuff going around. We weren't really sticking with the team. The manager was getting pelters from the West Stand, wasn't he? And getting involved in arguments with people and all kinds of things were going on. But I think there was a a bit of a reset amongst the supporter base. And the, and the thing that finally, I think, persuaded them that they just got to stick with it was the comeback against Eastleigh. Because mm. it was the team lifting the fans and the fans lifting the team. Um, and that we'd not had that, really, for a while. Um, and I think there was a kind of a a mutual benefit. They could see the mutual benefit on both sides. And and suddenly, you know, the the whole town's become engaged with the football club again. It, it's wonderful. It really is. And uh, yeah, it, it it left a bit of a tear in the eye on on Sunday to see see the whole ground bouncing again and uh, everybody looking forward to a day out. And uh, whatever happens on Saturday, I'm sure I'm sure the uh, supporters will uh, represent the team in huge numbers. I, I I don't know how many will take, but I wouldn't be surprised at between fifteen and twenty thousand, maybe. Um, and we will be underdogs on the match, and we'll be and we'll be certainly outnumbered in the stands. But uh, I, I would still put our lot against their lot, anyway. And, and Stuart, from us, I know statistics don't equal passion, and passion doesn't equal statistics. But most home fans at any uh, for any season since we moved to 1866 Sheffield Road, beat the 2010-11 when it was a shiny new stadium 
uh, and everything was new and we won the championship with a breathtaking style of attacking football uh, made our current defence look like <laughs> fucking, you know, whatever uh, um, and that's just amazing it's a it's a level lower and we aren't winning the championship Mm. It's it's been sensational, hasn't it? I mean, just in league games alone, home fans alone, we were about two hundred short of a hundred and fifty thousand fans through the through the turnstiles or tickets sold. You know, an average of six thousand five hundred over the whole season. Um, you know, eight nine fifty for the Bromley game, home fans alone, which oddly was ten fewer than went to the Maidstone game. <laughs> I still can't quite get my head around that one <laughs> um, with the with the comparative atmospheres. But uh, but yeah, it, it, it's been a sensational season, really for for support. Um, and I think from you know from the from the team's point of view, it's been entirely well deserved. You know. Um, and long may it continue. Hopefully, in the division above, we'll go setting record attendances for for us in League Two next season. Long may it continue, Paul. Uh, I've had one or two people point out to me after Sunday uh, because you get a different perspective when people go on the pitch, don't you? If you go mm-hmm. on the pitch yourself, you see people at close quarters. If you stay in the stands, you see people down on the pitch. And I've had lots of comments about how many youngsters there were. And one of the things mm. that the trust done, of course, is encourage youngsters to come. And Stuart's just sort of said, I don't know about the future. But for me, the future looked really solid from, from a support-based point of view. Yeah, I agree. There's been, uh, it's been since since sort of COVID, hasn't it? There's been a sort of, sort of youth element that... Uh, that have, that have taken on probably since the trust taken over you know the, mm. it, it's been like that you know they're getting youngsters who are growing up uh, every every year getting to a plateau now where they 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 join in on the cop and the cops relatively full every single match and you get them singing along and creating a good atmosphere and you know it, it's remarkable when you think back to when i was younger and the sort of same age in what late eighties, early nineties, and you know, on a Tuesday night, they were barely getting sort of three thousand and stuff, and you know, it, it was all a bit, it was all a bit stale at Saltergate, and there weren't any youngsters there at all, you know, and um, now it's 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 completely different. They're getting a sort of core base of fans that are coming to see good football, you know, that you know, what I mean, and they're, and they're winning, you know, okay, I get that, that it it goes hand in hand. Um, but you know that the support base since the trust have taken over has steadily increased, and and, and it's it been improving. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yes, Paul, that's the thing. Since the trust have taken over, they have found it far more easy, shall we say, to do yeah. the sort of promotions that drags kids in than they ever used to find it when the trust were not in charge. Yes. And Daz, I think the sales of season ticket for next season is phenomenal as well i think it's three and a half thousand already and that's at the early bird prices but i think the late bird prices are only and i know it's money's tight all around but only 20 quid more a ticket i think aren't they so if chesterville do go up you're going to get another rush i would think yeah i i i don't honestly know what the um what the what's after early bird uh late bird um what the late bird prices will be but yeah the well, take up bird i suppose isn't it? <laughs> <a> bird. <laughs> yeah um the take-up's been really encouraging hasn't it you know uh, three and a half i think we had three seven 
uh, last year um, by the time the, the season uh, started. So the the trust will be delighted. Um, one of the other things, we talk about youngsters uh, coming to the game and it, it's lovely to see them sat in Chesterfield shirts and hats and scarves and, you know, being part, feeling part of the club. The other thing that I just find quite mind-boggling is 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 the amount of women at the games these days and, and young young girls as well. I think it's terrific, absolutely terrific. And uh, long may it continue. Um, I think we've got a whole new generation um, coming through, and uh, it, it's going to be uh, it, it's going to be bright. The future is. The only thing I want is. On, yeah, uh, there was on, that forfeit for the, for the women's match as well, Daz, uh, which which uh, helps that ball. Sorry. Yeah, so I I agree. Yeah, I was going to touch on that as uh, as well. Yeah, what a great turnout that that was as well for the. The only thing that I wanted on 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 Sunday for the game, knowing that it was a sellout, and I know it was a late sellout, but I wanted everybody to get a free scarf just sat on the seat so they could just <laughs> wave it around. You know, like when other clubs do, you know, at the night and it's important, you get a home game, you need the atmosphere and everybody's got a scarf above their head and it's a, a free one. They could, they could have chucked a free, a free cheapo scarf on the seat for everybody, I think. Well, there ought to be one on the buses. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, the, the, and, and congratulations to the women's team in their inaugural season, finishing second in the, in the league, getting that great crowd for the final match of the season, and they're still in with a chance of promotion. The top team goes up, providing they want to, because not uh, not at that level, everybody always doesn't want to go up. Uh, but they will be applying for promotion, and I, I think hearing later at the end of this this month. So terrific um, uh, um, season for for the women. Well done, Andrea Parkinson and Co. There, and again, a a, a real positive move from the club does for the kit launch at the crooked spire you know when you've got hundreds of people turning up for that that was uh that, that was just one of those great 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 days for sure yeah it was it was uh i think it was bridget that came up with the idea uh bridget ball and uh in fairness it, it it was it was a great event wasn't it again loads of kids involved families turning up um not the nicest of days was it but People still turned up in in the numbers and uh, the interaction with quite a lot of the players that were there went down a storm. I have to say this current squad to me um, really get the community bit of the club. Uh, you know, we saw those scenes last weekend and we have Leeds players just walking past kids in a hotel after mm-hmm. they'd been beaten. And you, I don't think you get that with our lot if we'd been beaten 5 now. Um and uh, it gives you a certain sense of pride in in the eleven. I think that comes from the top as well. I think that's driven by Cookie and and Gary Roberts and 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 people who've got an affinity with the club. Um, and I think local people appreciate the club has been run by local people, and and it makes a difference. It really does. We just need to get back into the league for gentlemen, don't we? That's, uh, for the local, uh, the local club and the local people. Uh, you know, Jamie Grimes was saying about the Crooked Spire launch. He arrived half an hour early and had to sign that many things and do that many selfies. He arrived just about late, so <laughs> and he only had forty-five yards to travel. So uh, great. Speaking so, right, of any final. Yeah. Any final just, comment? Just on Wembley, uh, Phil. I think that Chesterfield was allocated the west side of the Correct. Wembley. Um, is that the first time we'll have been on the west side? I think so. 
Is that right? Yes, I've never been on the west side. Mm, I think so. Mm. If there's something oh, in right. that, I don't know. Uh, I'll have to. Uh, I'll have to dig out one of my uh, a tune from one of my missus's favourite singers, Donny Monroe, former lead singer of Runrig. He's done a song called "On the West Side," so we'll have to play <laughs> that on the uh, on the way down. Right. There always used to be a thing about who got the north and south dressing rooms, didn't they, in the old Wembley? Yeah. But it, mm. that seems to not take quite so much importance these yeah, days. Yeah, well, well, Pete Pete Whiteley was he was I was talking to Pete the other day, and he was getting getting the lowdown at Wembley because it's been you know the last league match was less than two weeks ago. Yeah, it's been yeah. a real rush. This, yes, yeah, real yeah. real rush. And you know, credit to everybody, apart from the people who built the Wembley ticket site, uh, uh, for for the work they've had to do in no time at all. Uh, um, oh, I've lost my train of thought. What I'm going to say now about the the rush and everybody doing well. I'll think about it in a minute. That's one of the things you get with age. What were we talking about immediately before? The north south stand. Ah, yes, yes. Uh, Pete was saying that. There isn't a designated home or away team. He had just assumed Notts County be the designated home team because they finished higher up in the league. Yeah. But it was almost a, oh no, no, there isn't really anything like that. So I think they'll toss for dressing rooms. Whereas rightly, you know, Notts County ought to be the, the home but side. So he said, well, they, what about clashes? Because I, I think, yeah, I think both goalkeepers wear the same colour mm. kit. I think they're both orange goalkeepers. So it's almost like you've got to sort that out between yourselves, I think. So Well, uh, they were saying on the Knots pod last night that they checked with the Vanarama and uh Knots being second have choice of kit. Yeah. And they will be wearing black and white, although they're black. We'll we'll we've no choice and we'll be wearing blue and white. Blue, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Usually, yeah. Yeah. Such is life. But, uh, well, you know, if you've got this far on listening, you, you'll still probably be not down as far as Wembley if you're listening to it in the in the car or the bus or, or potentially the train, because you can get a train down. It's just you can't get back, yeah, which is a, a problem or on the National Express or something along those lines. So, well, we hope we all have a great day. We hope the best team wins and we hope that Chesterfield are the best team. There's no question, because getting back into the uh, Football League is really where we've been expecting for five years but the expectations fell short badly short for a couple of years and they started lifting a little bit but progress has been made player for denominators three three years ago or th- two uh, two seasons ago playoff semi-final last season playoff final this season so uh you know there, there, there is progress being made so fingers crossed for everybody so thanks for listening from me phil tooley paul fisher Stuart Basson and Daryl Carpenter. Well, it's just all about Saturday 3.30 now, isn't it? Bye.
And if you like this podcast, then don't forget to subscribe. Please rate and review us on Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts and many of your favourite podcast providers.